I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. And there's been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation that my trials come to only make me strong. Sing it with me. Through it all, do you know it? Through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. Sing it again. Through it all, do you believe it this morning? Do you believe it? Through it all, no matter what happens, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, sing it, church. Through it all, I've learned to depend on His Word. That's good stuff. Amen? Thank you, Buffy. Thank you, Rob. Thank you for leading us and taking us to right where we are right now. Because now we get the wonderful opportunity to see what God says in His Word about how to deal with the tough times of life. You see, no one is exempt from trials. That's the name of the, that's the title of the message. No one is exempt from trials. It affects the teenager sitting over here. It affects the, the most seasoned adult in this room. It affects all of us in between because all of us deal with and have dealt with. You're either in one or you're about to go in one or you're coming out of a trial. And so we want to see this morning how to deal, and what does God's Word tell us, how to deal with trials, these tough things. Now, it takes me back to a wonderful game. There's a children's game that it takes me back to. It's called Candyland. How many of y'all played Candyland before? Raise your hand. Yeah, glory to God. We're right here where we need to be. And there it is right there. And you see, the deal is, is to get from right down on the bottom left all the way up to the top middle. And you draw these little cards. And the colors that you get, if it's two yellows, you take two steps Yellow, if it's red, if you're red, you take two, you see how it goes. And so you start drawing those cards, and it's exciting because maybe let's say about the third time that you're there, you draw one, and it's the ice cream. Now, you see where the ice cream is. It's going to come up right here. There's ice cream, and what happens is it makes you do a leg kick. I'm talking about you get excited. You get excited because you make it to the ice cream. And see, then what happens is you're right there, and you, you just got to go a little ways to get to the end. You're about to win the game. And then something happens. You know what happens? You draw peppermint. Now, look where peppermint is. It's way back down there, way back down to the very beginning almost, and it just crushes your spirits. It just kind of, it's a trial. It's those tough times. It's those things that you, it just hits you like that. 
Have y'all ever been driving down the road that you've been driving down all the time? You drive down it all the time, and all of a sudden they put a speed bump there, and you didn't know the speed bump was there. And you just, it's at night maybe, and you're driving along, and you're just going along life's highway, and all of a sudden, wham, you hit the speed bump, and you go and you touch the top of your ceiling of your car or your truck. You ever been there? It jars you, doesn't it? If you've been driving down Eastmead long enough, you would know, or Penny Lane, you know that they put one on Penny Lane and Jack didn't know about it. <laughs> Thank God for my Chevy made it through it. But it jarred me and it took my little bald head all the way up to the top of that thing. And I'm telling you folks, it hurt. <laughs> Trials hurt because they come out of nowhere sometimes. You're not prepared for a trial sometimes. You don't know what's coming up. You don't know when that bad doctor visit's coming your way. You don't know when something happens and something out of your total control happens and your life is changed in an instant from one thing to another. But everybody in here can identify with the speed bump. Every one of you and I, everybody in here can identify with the peppermint. You drew the card, the peppermint. And it took you from where you were at a great time in your life, and it takes you way back down here, and it's all about how we deal with it from that point on. Turning your Bibles to James chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 today, we're going to spend a few minutes here this morning, and we're going to see what God's Word has to say on how to deal with these types of situations. James, a bondservant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. And then he goes on to say, James does, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing." Now, what I love about how James starts this letter is he identifies himself as a bondservant. I love the fact that he didn't play on the fact that he was the half-brother of Jesus himself because it wasn't about him anymore. Now, if you remember correctly, you go back to where James was before Christ died in the resurrection of his half-brother, Jesus Christ, from the dead. James lived with him, and James doubted Jesus. It wasn't until after the resurrection, until after Christ did what he did on the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection, until James, half-brother of Jesus, believed in who he was. What is a bondservant? You see, if we get this down this morning, a bondservant, that's part of the prize for us in dealing with trials. I want you to think about it. A bondservant depicts a slave, a person deprived of all personal freedom, and totally under the control of his master. Absolute obedience and loyalty to his master was required of every doulos. That's the Greek word doulos, bondservant. And the doulos, the bondservant, was not made a slave, but he was born a slave. So how in the world did this happen? Well, James was born a slave by his new birth through faith in Jesus Christ. So he was a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's making the statement, God and Jesus, one, God in the flesh. He's our Lord. And we must come to an understanding in our lives 
In order to deal with the trials of life, if we can just make the claim that Jesus has got this, we're going to be okay. He's our master. He's in control. If we truly believe in the sovereignty of God, which I do believe in the sovereignty of God, nothing happens to me out of circumstance. Nothing happens to me out of happenstance. It all is coming my way because God has orchestrated it to my good. Nothing happens to us that we can't handle through Him. Sound familiar? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But here's a foundational text. If you don't hear anything else I say, if you fall asleep afterwards, it's okay. We'll wake you up when we go out. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20, this is what it says. The most foundational text in all of Scripture for us. I am crucified. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. If we can all agree as believers in Jesus Christ, as blood-bought believers in Jesus Christ, that Christ is living in us and it's not us any longer, then what can we go through that he can't handle? Amen? Think about it. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. It's because Christ is in me, I can go with confidence to any meeting with a doctor. I can go with confidence in any situation going in to have a review in my business, working environment. I can go into any situation and circumstance because I am no longer alive. Christ in me, he's got this. He's got your back. Think about it. So he wrote this to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. These are all the Jewish Christians who are spread around Palestine, who left Palestine outside of Palestine, and they are the ones that have experienced this unbelievable persecution or tough times in their lives. So he's talking to these Jewish Christians who are experiencing trials. And the very first thing he tells them is how to deal with life. And you and I need to learn this, and I need to learn it. Jackie Jack needs to learn it. I need to know, I need to believe, I need to be planted right where God wants me to be in my life so that I can handle anything that the devil tries to throw at me or the situations and circumstances His life will not throw me off my game, but I'll just stay on the course God's made for me. And I want that for you in your life. So James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. So he starts here by saying, consider. Consider. In other words, as we come to these verses, it is all about having the right mindset. If you get your mind right, you can handle any issue you have in your life. It's the same concept you use for a football team that plays indoor. Let's take the Atlanta Falcons. They play indoor if you call what they're doing right now playing, but they do play. And they play indoors in a dome. And they don't have to worry about the elements outside. They don't have to worry about anything like that. All the things are made easy for them as far as that goes. Their environment's very controlled. So they learn to play like that. Well, let's say they're supposed to play Green Bay next week or in the middle of November. 
And so they're going there, and the forecast is it's going to be nothing but snow. It's going to be frozen tundra. So they've got to get their minds prepared to play in that particular environment. There's no way they can take the same mindset they play in a dome outside and play at Green Bay in the snow and the elements. Half the battle is them. They may have the best team when it comes to the athletes and everything else. They may have the best plays drawn up, the best defense. But if they don't get their minds right, they will not be at full strength when they hit the elements that's out of their control. It's the same thing for our warriors going into battle. Say they're going over to the Middle East to fight a war. They're going into battle. There's no way that they can do that and take the same mindset they would have in training right here in the state of Alabama. They better do minds. They get their minds right so that they can go into battle and they can handle and be ready for whatever obstacles they find themselves going up against. It's the same way for us as believers in Jesus Christ. When our minds are right, we can face and go through anything. So he starts off by saying consider. The Bible there talks about consider and it means to evaluate. It means to step back and evaluate. The natural response to a trial is not to rejoice about it and consider it all joy, but our natural response, maybe it's just me in here, is sometimes to get mad about it. Sometimes I get upset about it. Sometimes I get frustrated when the car doesn't start and it takes me off my game. Or even, I even have the martyrdom syndrome. Anybody had that? Or anybody know somebody like that? Everything is against them. They have the martyr syndrome. So sometimes when you and I face these trials, we go in through it, go into it like a pothole in the road or a speed bump, and it rocks our world. We sometimes, if you're like me, and I'm not where God wants me to be in my life at that point, and I haven't placed it right, and I don't take His perspective, I get mad about it. I get bitter about it. I can get upset about it. And that's not where God wants me to be. He wants me to step back, evaluate, and consider it all joy. No matter what it is, the trial, consider it all joy. For there's a purpose in the trial. Now, there's eight biblical responses or reasons, excuse me, for trials in the believer's life. I'm going to give you these real quick. Number one, trials come to us to test the strength of our faith. They test us. You really don't know some, what somebody's made of until they go through a tough time. So trials help test our faith. Number two, trials are, provided, are presented to us to humble us, to remind us not to let our trust in the Lord turn into presumption and spiritual self-satisfaction. We, we have nothing to offer. The best we have is what? The Bible says, filthy as what? Rags. But sometimes we get a little bit prideful and we get a little bit up on the hobby horse there and we get excited about who we are. And sometimes God uses trials to humble us and remind us who we really truly are. Sometimes trials come to wean us from our dependence on worldly things. 
Well, I've got enough money in the bank account. I've got a great job. I've got a house over my roof over my head. I've got everything that I need. I don't need God. Sometimes trials come to us to wean us off of the dependence of things that we can do ourselves. Number four, trials come to call us to, etern- to an eternal and heavenly hope. Sometimes we receive a hard trial. The harder our trials become and the longer they last, the more we look forward to being with the Lord. Amen. Sometimes we get a trial that's so tough, it put, puts us and it points us to God and being with Him in heaven, and it gives us a hope that one day the pain's going to be gone, the hurt's going to be gone, I'm going to be face-to-face with my Lord and my Creator, and that brings hope to me. Amen? It brings hope to you, I hope. That's what trials do. It points us and gets us in the right perspective. Number five, to reveal what we really love. Sometimes it tells us exactly what we love. Number six, to teach us to value God's blessings. In other words, we experience trials sometimes and it reminds us of what we do have in God and we rejoice in the blessings and we become more appreciative with an attitude of gratitude. Number seven, to develop in us an enduring strength to greater usefulness. It creates us and molds us into more usefulness for Him. And that brings me to number eight, And that is to enable us to better help others in their trials. Sometimes we go through trials and it helps us help others. Does that sound familiar? Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 18. The Bible says, For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. That's Jesus himself. Jesus was, had gone through anything and everything that we have gone through so that we can trust when He gives us information and teaches us, we can trust it. Some of the greatest things that we can do with the trials that we go through in life is to be able to help somebody else who's going through the same thing. Because you've experienced what you say to them has validity. It validates you. So sometimes trials come in one of those eight reasons. So he says consider. It means to evaluate. Warren Wiersbe said this, our values determine our evaluations. If we value comfort more than character, then trials will upset us. If we value the materials and physical more than the spiritual, we will not be able to count it all joy. We can't do it. If we live only for the present and forget the future, then trials will make us bitter. They will not make us better. It's all about having the right perspective. So when trials come, the Bible says, immediately give thanks to the Lord and adopt a joyful attitude. Are you kidding me, Jack? Are you seriously telling me that when I go to the doctor next time and something is shared with me that is absolutely unbearable for me in my flesh, that I should consider that all joy? I'm exactly telling you that. That's hard for us to do in our own strength. Amen? It's hard for us to do that in our mindset in the flesh. But if we have the mind of Christ... And we are set with Him being the purpose. What do you want to teach me through this trial? 
We can go through every trial with joy, inexpressible joy in our lives and in our hearts and in our minds. Do not pretend. Do not try self-hypnosis. Simply look at trials through the eyes of faith. Outlook determines outcome. To end with joy, we must begin with joy. So he says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you enter into various trials. Various trials means this. Your trial may look different than my trial. It means many colored or very colored is what it means. It means it's not going to always look the same. It means you're not just going through a trial that everybody else is experiencing at the very same time. No, your trial may look differently than mine. My trial may look differently than yours. It comes in all shapes and sizes. It could be a real tough one when it comes to your physical health, or it could be that you hit a pothole and blew a tire on the side of the road. It comes in all different ways because somebody's got to change the tire. Did you plan on doing that Monday morning? No. Do you get out of your car and go, Woohoo! I get to change the tire today. No, but you can get out and you can have the right attitude and you can change that. And as people come by, you can pray for them as they don't stop for you. (laughs) It gives you a great opportunity to lift your prayer life to another level. Amen. (laughs) What are the types of trials we're talking about here? We're talking about anything and everything. Here's a list of them. You've got internal, you've got external, you've got financial problems, You've got physical illness. You've got disappointments. You've got criticism. You've got fear. You've got persecution. You've got a loss of a job. You've got a bad doctor's visit. Car will not start. A friend passes away suddenly. And teenagers, your boyfriend, your girlfriend says they don't like you anymore. Or they don't love you anymore. And that rocks your world. It turns you upside down because you've placed your identity in that boyfriend or that girlfriend. How do you deal with these things? Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you enter into any and all types of circumstances. This reminds me of a story, and it's close to home here. For this man had his calendar all ready for the fall. Everything was in place. If you know anything about him, he's a very organized person. He had all the games that he was going to go watch his boy play baseball. He was going to throw baseball in the yard with him. He had everything planned out, and all of a sudden, one night, he fell, and he hyperextended his neck, and he bruised his spinal cord, and I was in the room when he was given a little bit of the prognosis. I was in the room when they said, you may not walk. That spinal cord injuries, you don't ever heal from. They don't heal. I'll never forget seeing and sensing the, 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 like the air went out of the room a little bit. And so I said a little prayer that only I could do And I left the family that day, and I went in, went out the door, and this is a guy that I played baseball with at Calhoun Community College. 
I love him dearly. Great attitude. Loves the Lord. And just like that, bam, something happened in his life that's out of his control. How's he going to respond? And he told me, in his own words, God, I had my calendar full. God erased my calendar and put his in it. And he's here today for the first time since he had that accident. And he's sitting right back there to my right and to your left. Denny Smith, we love you. And we're so thankful God has you here today. Would you let him know that? See, when you think about it, he wasn't supposed to walk. He started off making little steps with a walker the best he could. He couldn't raise his right arm. He couldn't do anything with that. And let me tell you, today he comes up here three times a week, walks the track up here at the Rock. He goes to work part-time now, all week long. And he's walking on his own without a cane. Yes! Wow, that's good stuff. I never talked to him and went into the room where he didn't have joy. Now, I'm sure he had moments. We all have them. But there was just something special about how he handled it. There was something extraordinary special about how he handled it. He still had a joy, an inexpressible joy, that could not come from within his own flesh. It had to come from a relationship he had with Jesus Christ. And because of that, he dealt with this, and he's dealing with it, and will deal with it. But God's getting the glory and the honor. You can do that, too, in your life through your trial. And I can do that through my next trial in my life. So what does it do? He wants to test our faith. Look at our scripture. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you enter into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The very end game, trials have a purpose, and these purposes, the purpose is, is to make us more like Jesus. It's to create in us a spiritual maturity, and so that when we go through life, we're not tossed to and fro, and we're not a basket case dealing with these issues. God allows things to happen in our lives, and He wants to use every one of them to create an endurance in us so that the next time we deal with it, we can go through it as He would have us to go through it. He squeezes us sometimes. He's molding us. You can't get to purity unless you put a little fire to it. Amen? He wants to put it to us a little bit. It's to our benefit. Everything you go through is going to our benefit. Unless you're going through chastening because of sin in your life, that's a whole different story. We'll save that for another time. Amen? But today, when you talk about the trials of life, everything you go through, teenagers, everything you go through, it's to your benefit. God wants to benefit you, become more like Him. Mama, daddy, grandparent, it's for your benefit. It's to produce in you a faith of endurance so that you can go through it and you can be the witness God's called you to be. So that when people look at you, they don't see you. They see what is in you because there's no way you could respond to a trial like that in your own flesh. They're saying, what's different about you? 
What's different about how you handle the situations? How in the world are you going through that with so much joy in your life? Well, you can't do it on your own. So consider it all joy, my brethren, when you enter into various trials, for the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect, mature, and complete, lacking in nothing. Lauren Daigle wrote a song, sings a song, and it's called Look Up, Child. And I just want you to listen to the words of this as we prepare for our time of commitment. She's singing to the Lord. Where are you now when darkness seems to win? Where are you now when the world is crumbling? I hear you say, look up, child. Where are you now when all I feel is doubt? Oh, where are you now when I cannot figure it out? I hear you say, look up, child. You're not threatened by the war. You're not shaken by the storm. I know you're in control. Even in our suffering, even when it cannot be seen, I know you are in control. I hear you say, look up, child. Look up, for I have got your back. How will you respond today? If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's no way you can look up because you don't have anybody to look to. Jesus is your answer. You may have been trying to fill your life and all the stuff in your life with everything else the world has to offer, and you're very frustrated. You're very discontent. You do not have any hope. And I want to say to you today, you can fill it with Jesus because he's the only thing that's going to fill the void. All you have to do is realize that he died for you and believe on the name of Jesus Christ that he rose again for you. Admit that you're a sinner. Allow God to fill your heart. Ask Christ to come into your life to be your Lord and Savior. And you can walk out of this room and every time you go through a trial, look up, child. Look up for the master's got your hand. Or maybe you're a Christian here today and you've walked in a lot of bitterness. You've walked in a lot of stuff Maybe because the trial's so heavy and you've tried to handle it yourself. I want to remind you of the promise that God says to you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Just look up, child. Look up. Brother Rob, as you come and as those come with you, that we're going to have an invitation. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to pray for every person here and just allow God to speak to your heart through the Holy Spirit's presence. Father, I pray that as we go through this time of commitment today, if there's someone here this morning that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, they don't have anybody they can look up to. Father, I pray that today they come to know you. Jesus Christ would fill their hearts. Through the Holy Spirit's presence, they would have someone that they could always be walking with, that they don't walk in fear anymore and in frustration. They would come and say, I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. I don't know everything that this little guy said, talked about today, but I want somebody to walk through life that's in control. I want Jesus today. Father, I pray that today, that if there's someone here this morning that needs to know you, that they will do that today. 
They'll come down this aisle, grab Seth's hand or Garth's hand, and allow this to be a wonderful victory for them. Or maybe, Father, there's Christians in this room that are your blood-bought children, and they've spent a lot of days and hours and months just wringing their hands because of the trials of life, no matter how big they are, no matter how small they are, but they've been trying to handle it on their own. They've gotten bitter. They've gotten, they've gotten mad. They're frustrated. Father, I pray that today they would release all of that and look up, child, to you. Maybe they need to come this morning and recommit their walk with you, fall more in love with you today. Whatever the decision is, God, you know our hearts. May we obey whatever you tell us to do. I pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.